Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Pastor Jeff, families are amazing things, are they not? They are, <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, they are for, for most, most people. people. <laughs> for most people, what we're born into, a place where we hopefully are grown and nurtured. Hopefully it's a place of safety where children and families are functioning well, where they can learn and they can push the boundaries of what is and isn't acceptable in that type of environment and be guided and shown how to fulfill their biggest potential. And they do push the boundaries. Yes, they do. Well, except for my children, because well, perfection. they're light and perfection. No <laughs> and speaking of perfection, that, that family is not only a place for children to learn, but we as adults learn, and we make our marriages work, and we bring up our children and learn to function with all the different personalities that make up a family. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a lot of personalities in your family? How many siblings do you have? I just have one sister. One sister. I just have Me one too. sister. I have one sister. Kelly, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly's famous on our podcast. <laughs> she is. She's she's the philanthropist yes. of kitchen table yeah, theology. Right. If, you, if you can go back and listen and learn a little bit about Kelly. <laughs> yes. No, my sister Melissa and I, I would say that we were a lot more different when we were younger, and then we've gotten a lot yeah. closer growing up because nice. what do you bond on? All the crazy things that <laughs> yeah. our parents lovingly, lovingly Did nurtured us. <laughs> nurtured us with growing up. And I think, you know, as Fred and I have talked about, you know, all the crazy events of this last season with going through the pandemic, there's actually a lot of good that's come out of that as well as far as good, bad, and the ugly. You can cue the Clint Eastwood music here. Um, Clint Eastwood? <laughs> oh, grew up on Clint Eastwood for better or worse. For all the good and the bad and the ugly, we have gotten to know our children a lot more over the last year. So you think it's good in that year. sense? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, especially in this season with having a middle schooler and a high yeah. schooler and us really committing to pouring into this, this season of I'm life. I'm pretty with sure them. in church today, um, I said that middle schoolers aren't human beings. You did. And I looked straight at the middle school <laughs> pastor to see his reaction. And he was very stoic. I think he was processing through, how do I react to this? So what about you? What were some of your experiences growing up? Well, just, you know, the one sister. But, yeah, really great family, mom and dad. Um, my grandparents, I could ride my bike to both of my grandparents' house and my cousin's house. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. to be able, especially now when you look at most families, you don't have that. Not at all. Uh, you've got to get on an airplane in many cases to go see grandparents or vice versa. We lived on family property, and we lived in the middle. My great-grandma lived in front of us, and my grandma lived behind wow, so us. So you had a little compound going. We did. Yeah. We did family compound complete with rabbits and turkeys and chickens and all, all kind of crazy going on there. All, it just <laughs> all wonderfully blessed yes. every single day. <laughs> <laughs> so as we transition, you know, we also have to note that not all families are like what we've described. Not all of us can, you know, joke and laugh about the things that yeah. have happened, you know, and unfortunately for many of us, family can be a difficult place. It can be a place of instability or even fear in some places yeah. where that nurturing is not taking place, where there's not guidance and how to grow and succeed. So when we talk about the church being a family, 
we understand that that's probably going to bring up a lot of different emotions and connotations for different people. And this can bring up both negative as well as positive. And the church family is a place that, yes, can bring healing and security no matter what your background is. It's a place where you can learn to be nurtured in a way that does allow you to fulfill that potential, all you were meant to be. So welcome back. We just kind of jumped in here today. Hello again, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. We did just jump right in there, didn't I we? I liked it, though. You know, you got to jump into the deep end, yeah. shake it off. You know, it's like wading into the pool, you know. It always takes a lot longer to do that. You just cannonball <laughs> just, there at the we end. We just cannonball and, yeah, right in. We can do that. Well, welcome back. I am your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding doctrine and theology. You know, the things that a lot of Christians think are too difficult to tackle, too hard to understand, and too out of reach. But we're always attempting to do this in a way that is applicable to the lives we live. Today is our fifth episode in our current series, Ecclesiology, the Doctrine of the Church. In episodes 61, 62, 63, and 64, we discussed how the church is like a flock, a fellowship, a body, and a bride. Today, we'll discuss how the church is like a family. And as I said, we did just jump in today. So let's begin with a verse that we feel is vital to why the church is referred to as a family. And this comes from Ephesians 2.19 and says, So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Hi again, Kitchen Table Theologians. Yeah, Jen, that's a key verse for us. We're told we're members of God's household, which is, what is that? That's just describing a family. Theologian Wayne Grudem defines the church as the community of all true believers of all time. And this, he writes, must include equally the true believers of all time, both those of the age of the New Testament and those of the Old Testament age as well. Paul told Timothy... You know, Paul and Timothy were talking about this whole, the context of the church being a family, and he told Timothy to act as if all the church members were members of a larger family. He said in 1 Timothy 5, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters, all in purity. You know, I, I um, I have some men in my life I would consider spiritual fathers, I've got men in my life I would consider brothers. I've got younger women in, say, our church family, like you, for instance, I consider sisters. I've never been able to find a woman who would admit being an older mother, an older woman. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of own so it I have no, for all I have it is. no mothers. <laughs> I have no mothers. I, every time I try to find an older woman, oh, I'm not really that old. <laughs> I don't know. At 45, I just learned to embrace it. So my, it I might be the first is. in the long run. <laughs> Scripture teaches us that that God is our Heavenly Father and that we're sons and daughters. God says himself says in 2 Corinthians 6, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we are, therefore, part of a single group, you know, the church as a family that God created in Christ to worship him. He's filled us with infinite spiritual blessings. Why? So that we might fulfill the Great Commission and take the whole gospel to the whole world. So in this magnificent family known as the church, each person has the same rights, the same duties, just like in every family. 
So there's where we find a little bit of the how as to being referred to as a family. How about addressing the why when we refer to the church as a family? Yeah, well, as good theologians, it might be a good idea to check on what the Bible teaches us about that. Probably. Why is the church called a family? Romans 8 does a good job answering that. The chapter explains that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's verse 14. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And that's uh, verses 16 and 17. Becoming a Christian means being adopted into God's family as a child of God and brother or sister to fellow believers. And so that's why we refer to the church as a family. And where do we find the true value of that family? Well, I think there's numerous verses in the New Testament that refer to how we as believers are to interact with one another. So if you look at some of those verses, you can determine what value a believer gains So, by belonging and, and interacting with a church family. Jesus called the disciples to love one another in such a way, uh, you might remember this, John 13, such a way that all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So one benefit, or va- you know, to go to your question, what's the value of having a church family is being loved and loving others in a way that is different from how people in the secular world love. This love is to be sacrificial and unconditional like the love Jesus shows us. Uh, The other commands about how believers are to interact with one another essentially detail how that love plays out practically. You know, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, those sort of things. I think there's 37 or 39 one another's in the New Testament. They just show how all that plays out. Well, and I'm going to be real honest here. I get all of that, and it's great and wonderful, and I absolutely believe it. But I've noticed that we often don't treat the family as we do the church and the church as we do the family. Would you agree with that? Well, maybe explain and unpack, explain. What What do you mean by that exactly? Well, I mean, you know, grew up, we both grew up in Christian families. We both grew up going to church, and we both grew up singing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of oh, God. Bill yeah, yeah old, old one back there. <laughs> but I think culturally and as a whole, we don't say on Sunday morning, I'm getting up and I'm going to the family. Right. We, we say I'm getting up and I'm going to church. So do we lose that family concept a little bit? Yeah, you don't go to family. Rather, you are part of a family. And biblically, I think in the same way, we shouldn't really say that we are going to church, but Mm. that's what we all say. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to get detailed about it, we shouldn't say that because why? Well, we are the church. So if the individual people, we're the church, so you don't go to church when you are the church. Yeah, because family's not an event. Well, Well, I've had... Some people say my family is more like a sitcom, but that's the story for another day. But church is... I've heard circus, no? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a comic strip (laughs) about that. Church is not, or at least it should not be, although we often make it that way, an event. And of course, as a family, we have events like dinner and vacation, but that doesn't define our reality as a family. Exactly. And I think in the same way, a church does have events like a worship service or a community dinner or Bible studies or whatever. But these events cannot and should not define our reality of what it means to be a church. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about 
how then that just is this greater reflection. You know, as we share and we talk about this, I don't know, what are the core values that we need to kind of land on that we can learn about the church as a family and then apply them to our lives? Well, yeah, I think I think it's good for us to recognize that in a family, belonging comes from who you are and not what you do. Hmm. So in my family, my belonging came from the fact that I was a son and a brother. And that had nothing to do with what I did. If it had to do with what I did, I probably would have been kicked out of my family. <laughs> my belonging as a Cranston comes from the fact that I just am. I think this is one major thing we need to have an understanding of church, too. When people are new to our church community, our faith community, they want to know, I hear this all the time, how can we get involved? And what they usually mean is, well, what can we do in order to get plugged in here? While you know, we certainly have things and ministries in our church community that need people to serve, that need attention, I really want someone to understand that one of the best things they can do is simply get to know people and be. I want people first to understand their belonging is based on the fact that they're simply part of the community, and then take a look at how they contribute to our mission. You know, if they're Christians coming into a church, let's say they're already part of the church, and somebody said, well, they're not part of our church yet. Well, that doesn't really matter. They're part of the church. So since you're part of the church, you should, you're part of us, right? That just is the way that rolls. And then you know, come in, get to know people, and then take a look. Okay, well, how can I contribute to the mission of this local congregation? If we look at it the other way around, we get this idea that we earn our belonging, and I think that's a bad approach to community. And really, that's the absolute definition of a dysfunctional family. But I think we kind of set that up, right? Like we, even the the most intent, well-intended parents, we set that up because we give our kids chores, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they can earn that money or the, those chores that you set up. But we've set it up that, you know, there's just some things that you do because you're a part of the family. Right. You know, you're not earning the chores. And I will tell you, it's the heart of every mother if their kid, you know, picks up after themselves without being asked because... They do start to own that a little bit, you know, that this is my family and I do this yeah. because, well, whether they make those connections or not, I do this because I love my family and I'm a part of the family. And I love it that we've done this progression here in the podcast where we didn't jump into talking about the body of Christ or the church itself even before we talked about our identity mm-hmm. in Christ and who we are and yeah. belonging to Him. So it's been a, a nice progression. Well, we were there really something well. to think all that through ahead of time, weren't we? We were. I mean, it's almost like it was divine intervention or something. It had to be because I never gave that a thought until you just said it. <laughs> and here I thought a brilliant plan had all come together. <laughs> well, you know, to go play off of what you're saying there, even if they don't do their chores, and if you're in a healthy family, you're not kicking them out of the family. They're still part of the family. Now, it might not go well for them for a while, <laughs> and there might be some discipline, but you're still my son. You're still my daughter. Absolutely. We just got to straighten out this little behavioral issue. Mm-hmm. You know, here's something else, too. In a family, you have traditions and practices that have meaning to your lives together, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, every family has got things that they do. Some are out there. Some are annual. Some are Christmassy. But that's what we do. We've got traditions and practices. Any Anything your family does. We got a big one that's coming up as we're filming our podcast. We're here at the beginning of the summer, but we celebrate Christmas in July. And on July 25th, 
we wake up and we spend part of the morning in jammies and we have cinnamon rolls and we bake Christmas cookies and we watch Christmas movies and what we listen to world? Christmas music just you for that presents? one day. No, we don't give presents. Just for that one day, we have a little, we love Christmas. So it gives wow. us just a little. Do you have a tree? We did one year. We ha- I pulled out one of those like <laughs> little ones, you know, yeah. from the, you know, the little stand up ones. But yeah. Yeah. That I've never it's heard one of, my of that. Fa- it's one of my favorite ones. I Christmas in July. I've never heard of that. <laughs> what about you guys? Um, yeah, my, my family always read the Christmas story in Luke. Before we open presents. And but so, not on Christmas in July, on actual no, on Christ- Christmas okay. Eve. Okay. We would read the Christmas <laughs> we would read the Christmas story out of Luke two and then allow them to open one present on Christmas Eve. And then it was, you know, crazy town the following morning. Which, you know, when I was a kid doing that, that was like torturous. You know, I gotta sit here and listen to this story. I just heard it in church, and those presents are just dying for me to open them. <laughs> so because it irritated me and it tortured me, of course, we carried that same of tradition course. over to mm-hmm. our children and even our grandchildren. You know, in church, we have developed a set of traditions that are meaningful to our lives together. Just for We share worship on Sunday mornings. Sometimes in those worship gatherings, we have communion together. We celebrate the life and work of Christ. We've got in Two weeks here at Low Country Community Church, we've got beach baptism coming up. One of my all-time Everybody favorite. loves beach baptism. Oh, my baptism. goodness. Unbelievable. I mean, by the time you get actually out to the beach, you're sweating to death and you're about <laughs> to die, but um, it's pretty cool. We have a candlelight Christmas Eve service every year. With Now we've learned our lesson. We have the LED candles so that the wax doesn't go all over the building, and we don't <laughs> set people's hair on fire, which, yes, has happened. So those those kind of traditions are significant to our life together as a church, and I really think without them, our family would be, we'd be missing something. We'd be a little less. Well, in addition to traditions and, and things that we do as a part of a family, what else? What what else makes that healthy family? Um, I, I think we'd all agree that in a healthy family, family members freely give of themselves to one another. You were just touching on that. If a family's healthy, the family members are not consumers. They they willingly give of themselves to others in the family. Now, sometimes more than others, obviously. In an unhealthy family, members take and they don't give. The same thing is true in a church. You bring consumer mentality into a church, it kills family, it kills church. And yeah, there are seasons in life when one receives more than one gives, but there are seasons, and hopefully not permanent ways of life. And I know we've talked about this. You you have a couple more core values of the church being a family. So how about running through those for us a little bit and we can kind of wrap things up today? Sure. Just a couple of thoughts. Another thing is that healthy families are open and inviting to others. You know, when our girls were in high school, they had some very close friends who really became like other daughters to Darlene and I. They would come over quite unannounced the door, the front door would just open and they would walk. You know, they'd come over even if the girls weren't home to hang out. We still stay in touch with those kids, some of whom are now approaching 50 years old, <laughs> which is really, really hard to believe. But all of them now have their own families and it's been fun to see. And in relationships, you know, some of them we don't see very often at all anymore. But whenever we do, 
it goes right back to the same depth. Mm-hmm. And your daughter and I, as long as well as some other moms here in the community, really developed a family when we were staying at home with our kids mm-hmm. when they were a lot younger. And I could walk into any of those homes right now and just open the refrigerator door, grab a beverage and sit down and have a talk. That, that's when you know you belong. Well, that, you know, and what what is that? That's family. And that's what churches have got to emulate and model. Churches are to be open and inviting to others, or they are exceptionally unhealthy, and worse, they've misunderstood the gospel. Mm. And along that same line, the church as a family means that there is room for extended family. Mm. Uh, Just because somebody doesn't live in our house doesn't necessarily mean they aren't family. I mean, we all have extended family members, cousins, aunts, uncles, who might visit us once in a while. They may not live with us, they could live, you know, a number of states away, but they are family. And churches have got to welcome and acknowledge extended family. The body of Christ is a lot bigger than our small community. So we need to gain a larger perspective with those not directly or even loosely connected to our local church bodies. And, you know, not to bring up something painful, but I think we also ought to acknowledge that at times the church may not be one big happy family. You know, there's splits. When people leave a family, it's usually a forceful break. And it it isn't that, you know, it's a very important thing to keep in mind as this relates to churches. We likely have all known families that have either disowned a child or the parents divorce, and it's painful and hurtful. And when we view the church as a family, leaving is the same. Again, it's painful and hurtful, and it's better off that it doesn't happen, that we can keep that unit together. You know, in a family, you're forced to deal with problems. When, when two people in a family fight, it eventually has to be dealt with, since you, you live in the same house. In a healthy family, the two parties will finally sit down and figuratively duke it out, Not literally, hopefully, (laughs) figuratively duke it out, and forgive when forgiveness is necessary and work things out, and they'll reconcile. In an unhealthy family that refuses to do all those things, they end up even more unhealthy. And, And in churches, we need to get better at sitting down and working out our differences, and it is not easy. But it's better than the alternative, and that alternative is church discipline. So, Jen, we started out sharing a bit of how the metaphor family relates to the church. So let me wrap up with this thought. Here's what I came up with. 1 Peter 3.8 says this, You should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. That is the goal. You know, in an age when the culture is increasingly secular, it is beneficial to be in a family of like-minded believers. Those brothers and sisters can encourage you in your faith journey, respond to your questions about spiritual issues, be a support in times, you know, when you're going through a hard time. And a church family can also give you opportunity to serve and help grow and, you know, help you grow in in your faith along with some other people. And I think there's some key things in that verse that really stand out to me, full of sympathy or empathy Mm -hmm. toward one another with tender hearts and humility. In other words, it's not about you. Me, that's right. <laughs> it, that that me-centeredness. Yep. Well, you know what? If you have enjoyed today's episode, please recommend this podcast to your friends and your family. family. Yeah. <laughs> and do share it on social media. Also, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or two. 
that really helps us to get the word out about kitchen table theology. Please also check out today's episode notes for further information. And don't forget to head over to jeffcranston.com where you may freely access podcast archives, along with other resources to help your faith journey, like Pastor Jeff Sermons, books, his blog, where he writes on leadership and themes of interest to the church. Our next topic and podcast in the topic of ecclesiology. You want to try that again? Yes, let's try that again. Our next podcast, continuing the topic of ecclesiology, is the church as the house of God. Perfect. And as we leave today, we want to encourage you to always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.